Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Squiggly Careers Podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host Helen. Hi everyone. And every week we discuss a different work topic to do with our squiggly careers, whether it's getting promoted, going for interviews, suffering from imposter syndrome, or everything in between. And last week, actually, we talked about the fact we'd done 109 episodes and almost Mm -hmm. joked that we didn't feel that anyone had probably listened to all 109, but we'd love to know if you had. And it turns out a few people actually have, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to particularly, someone just caught me tonight as well. They must have been sort of listening to it. It was Super Sunbeam on Instagram who was like, yes, I have listened to all 109. One of, I don't know, Sarah, what do you reckon? About 10 people that got in touch with us last yeah. week to say, yes, we're one of those people. So thank you. So I feel so, I feel really honoured that people have listened to all 109 episodes. That's quite a lot of time. So yeah. thank you very much. And also the person, Super Sunbeam, who messaged me, to say about the episodes also gave us some feedback which I thought was really kind they said I think you've got more natural and relaxed over time with a big thumbs up so I think that's a very nice piece of feedback thank you and actually somebody said when people discover us they then get excited about the fact they have more commutes (laughs) in the week to keep listening (laughs) which I thought um that does make me a bit intimidated though I think all the pressure if this is what people are listening to on their commutes and this week we're going to be chatting about asking for help And I think it's something that we know lots of people struggle with and it's a topic that can feel really hard. Almost, I think, sometimes the more you need help, the harder it is to ask for it, maybe. So we'll talk about that in a minute, a bit about why it's relevant to squiggly careers, a couple of our stories around us asking for help or not, successfully and not so Mm -hmm. successfully, and at least five hints and tips. A couple of things, though, before we get started this week. So we've got a bit of a special squiggly announcement from us and then something just a little bit different. So on the 20th of January, everybody, we are doing our next Squiggly Careers live podcast recording, which we are very excited about because we did our first one a couple of months ago now and it was um, was really exciting. Yeah, it was for our 100th episode. And this one we're doing in January is not only exciting because it's another live podcast, it's also exciting because we have some amazing guests. So we've got... Kenya King, who's the founder of the Mobos. We've got Elizabeth Uvamanene, who's the author of Slaying Your Lane. We've got Shah Wasmond, who is just this incredible entrepreneur and speaker and author. We've also got Jack Graham, who's somebody we have loved his organisation year here and everything that he's done for several years now. So we've got all of those people on the stage with us sharing their squiggly career stories with us. So 
the fact that it's a live one, the fact that they're there, it was all very exciting. But even more, it's also going to be our book launch. So our book will have come out just before them, but we're taking that date and that moment to celebrate it. So if you would like to come along, there are some tickets left, but I would move very, very quickly. You can just search. We'll put all the links to this in the show notes, but if you kind of don't know where those are, I would just search for Amazing If Eventbrite and you will find the link there and you'll be able to buy them. Tickets are £35, 20th of Jan, it's in London. It's at a lovely venue, the Curzon in Bloomsbury and your ticket also gets you a goodie bag which includes the book and some other little treats. So yeah, Google either Squiggly Careers and Amazing If Eventbrite or head over to Instagram and you'll find all the details on our Instagram page. And if you do come, please come and say hi. I think sometimes yes. people maybe don't come and say hi because they think we're busy. But honestly, we'll probably just be chatting to a few of our friends and we'd love to meet some new people. So please do come over and say hello. You know, if you come and you are a podcast fan, we would love to say hello. And the next thing, just before we get started, so something just a little bit different. Some of you will have listened to an interview that I did earlier this year with a lady called Viv Groskop. And Viv is the author of a book called How to Own the Room and a podcast with the same name. And lots of our listeners have been in touch to say it's one of your favourite episodes. I think you found the advice really helpful. And Viv got in touch with me a couple of weeks ago to say she got someone very special coming on her show. And she wondered if she could share it with everyone. So we said, of course, we hope you don't mind. Rather than us doing it on Viv's behalf, I thought you'd much rather hear from Viv. And perhaps if you haven't listened to that episode yet or you've not listened to her podcast, it will give you a bit of a flavour for what she does, the things that kind of really matter to her, the sorts of guests that she has. And at the end, she does reveal who her special guest is. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes after Viv has had a little bit of a chat with you. Hi, I'm Viv Groskop. I'm a writer, comedian and presenter of How to Own the Room, the podcast where inspirational women reveal the secrets of brilliant speaking. I'm also a huge fan of Sarah and Helen and Squiggly Careers, both the book and the podcast, and you can catch up with me on episode 105, where Sarah and I discuss shortcuts to becoming a better public speaker, how to handle nerves, and what it means to be happy high status. If you like the sound of that, check out my podcast, How to Own the Room, for no-nonsense advice on confidence, power, and overcoming anxiety. From Mary Portas talking about having goat voice in the boardroom in her 20s, Nigella Lawson on the blessings of being shy, and Catherine Tate on how to get any audience to fall in love with you, however hostile. And here's a preview of our latest guest, Hillary Clinton. I took a speech class when I was a sophomore in high school, and I was the only girl in the class because it was considered an easy class because all you did was stand up and talk. So it was filled with these very big boys, what we call football players. And when I would have to give my uh, assigned speech, I'd have to stand up in front of these, you know, very intimidating boys. And the teacher would sit in the back to see whether I projected or not. And the boys would be saying things like, oh, that's a dumb thing to say. Or, oh, come on, don't, don't give us that, Hillary. I mean, they would be harassing me, kibitzing, well, I'm trying to give the speech to get my grade, and the teacher didn't know they were doing it. So I had a trial by fire kind of experience learning how to speak. Uh, but I think it's not something you wake up and do well. Every great speaker practiced, 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 and I just can't recommend that highly enough. You can hear more on How to Own the Room on all podcast platforms. Meanwhile, to Sarah, Helen and everyone who listens to Squiggly Careers, I'm wishing you ease, inspiration and all the success that can come with embracing squiggliness. 
So that was Viv there, Hillary Clinton. That's so exciting. I think <laughs> so I would exciting. be very intimidated. But if I know Viv, she will have kept her cool. She's quite cool, calm and collected. So I look forward to listening to that episode from her and hope you all do too. And let, let us know what you think. So back to today's topic, asking for help. We thought it might be useful to start with what stops us. So what gets in our way in terms of asking for help? I think on this, there's probably a couple of things that get in many people's way and maybe mine sometimes when I'm thinking about asking for help so I think the first thing is probably the most obvious that a lot of people perceive asking for help as a sign of weakness it comes up quite a lot when we do our sessions around confidence for people when doing that with companies one of the confidence gremlins that comes up is almost like a fear of asking for help because people might think that they don't know enough or it might lead to imposter syndrome so I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that people are afraid to ask for help but also I think sometimes, and this is definitely one that I have, there's a a desire sometimes to control everything for yourself. So Mm. almost like, even if you think, oh, I could ask for help, it's almost like, well, if I just put my head down and get on with it, I can do this and I don't need all these other opinions. It's just, I just need to work a bit harder or work a bit more or do it a bit better. (laughs) And it's always... really like you. (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's probably what I do. So I think sometimes... I don't maybe even consciously avoid asking for help. I just always assume that I have to be the person to solve it, Ooh, yeah, even when so I might not be the right person. Yeah, I think I can well, see that in me. Well, I'm just thinking about quite a few times probably where I've offered to help you. And I think your natural response usually is, like, was, I'll just do it. Actually, you often say, I just need half an hour and then I'll get my head around it and then I'll do it. Rather than thinking, oh, actually is there something different that Sarah could do to help or is there something that actually she could do? And I don't think it's necessarily just even controlling everything yourselves. I think sometimes as well you just think, is it quicker? You know, is it like more efficient? I think sometimes that's why people don't ask for help because they think, oh, well, I'll have to explain it. And with everyone being so busy and people getting a bit stressed, especially this time of year, I sometimes also wonder if it's people don't ask for help because they're just like, is it going to be a help or is it going to be a hindrance? Maybe there's a, a worry that actually it won't be helpful. Is that what you're thinking? Is that why you don't ask me? Yeah. She's, like, mm, she's probably a bit more vengeance, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is also a feedback episode, right? <laughs> um, I can't think of a snappy way to kind of summarise it, but I do think there's almost like this scale of maybe if you you feel uncomfortable asking for help, maybe it either comes from a place of fear because you're worried what it says about you, or it comes from this place of control, or maybe even martyrdom. Like, it's mm. either fear or a fix-it kind of thing. Like, I think I have the, I'll fix it. And that's the thing that stops me asking for help. Even when someone might be better or quicker or more knowledgeable than me, I'm so fixated with the fix-it thing that I maybe don't think to ask for help when I should do. So yeah, maybe that's the spectrum, whether you fear it or you've got this fix-it mentality. But basically that gets in the way for a lot of people for asking for the help they might need in their career. And when you look at that in the context of squiggly careers, which is what Sarah and I focus on like day in, day out, we are all about the squiggly career and helping people to succeed because what we recognise is that squiggly careers, that the careers that we're all experiencing now, yes, they're full of loads of opportunity and lots of movement and lots of chance to meet and work with new people and learn new things, but they're also not easy. They are uh, full of change, full of ambiguity, full of information coming at us from all kinds of different places and in that context, work isn't easy. And so I think squiggly careers give us more than ever a need to ask for help. But when we've got either a fear or a fix-it mentality getting in our way, it doesn't mean that we will always go and ask for the help that we need. 
And it was interesting, I was reading an article about this, about why it is so hard, and apparently some of the social threats involved with asking for help, so things like uncertainty, risk of rejection, diminished status, relinquishing autonomy, apparently activates the same brain regions, like the kind of parts of your brain that physical pain does. And so, you know, again, it's often, you know, our brains are smart and it's the fight or flight thing, isn't it? And so mm. you're in work where we're all keen to show that we know what we're doing, we're experts, we're competent and confident. It actually, I think, will probably take quite a lot of people into their scary zone to be doing this. And probably rightly so, because your brain will be telling you, well, these are potentially some of the outcomes that might happen if I do this thing. So what could feel like quite a small thing at the start, I think can easily be something that ends up escalating over time. You can imagine, you know, you don't ask for help the first time, then it becomes, I think, a bit harder. And so I think mm. if this is something you do find hard, I think definitely recognise you're you're not alone. And actually, when I was looking at this and doing some research, there are so many stories and articles about this area because it's obviously something that, you know, a lot of people really have to think about and reframe to do this in a positive way. Should we share some stories of Go us asking them. for help? <laughs> so even just talking on this podcast, actually, I definitely think... I don't think I ask for help as much as I probably should do because of this fix-it thing, which I'm taking away as a bit of an action for me to (laughs) sort of think about that. I think I can give you an example when I successfully asked for help, which is very recent, and unsuccessfully asked for help, which might be interesting. So the successful one first. So at the moment, I've decided that over the next couple of months that I need a little bit of help with my role in Amazing If. There's some things that I think that I'm basically doing a job I've never done before in what I now do at Amazing If. And I'm looking for some help from some mentors who have some specific knowledge in running businesses. And so I've been going out to lots of different people in my network to essentially ask for an hour long conversation and for their help, for them to share with me how they run their businesses, how they scale their businesses, any reflections on how I'm approaching things. And that is an ask for help. It's an ask for help of their time and their their energy and their expertise. And I'm finding that not hard at all. I'm not finding it hard at all to go to someone. And I think it's because, and I don't want to say it's flattering to go to them, but I'm basically saying I really admire what you are doing and I really respect your time and I would love to ask you for an hour of it to help me and I'm being very specific about it. So I think it's a specific request to somebody that I've had a relationship with in the past who I admire and I feel really confident in that request and what I'm asking for them and also maybe how I can do give them some help in return. So that's someone that's going really well at the moment so I don't feel worried about asking for that at all. But I do remember one recently when I was thinking about examples where my ask for help did not go so well and it was really hard. It made me really upset. So when I was studying for my MBA at a business school and I started my MBA when my little boy Henry was, oh, I think Henry would have been about six months old when madness. I started my I MBA. I mean, absolutely yeah. madness. What were you doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit bad. I mean, it wasn't the most planned thing in the world. Yes, that's when I started. And I think I got my first couple of assignments in on time and I was managing it. But then, I don't know, I think something was going on at work. I'd recently started a job at Microsoft and I asked for an extension to a deadline for one of my submission things. That's quite a big deal for me to ask for that because I love a deadline and I'm driven by achievement. So for me to admit that I'm not going to hit a date and to ask for help and understanding. That's quite a big thing. Like I don't really miss dates with stuff like that. It's not a very Helen thing to do. 
and I went to the university and they basically turned me down and they said it was like it was not an acceptable thing uh, for me to have an extension and they had an extension policy this is the context and yeah they turned me down and so I was really upset by this and I thought this is not really acceptable because like I'm a working mother in the minority of gender on this program <laughs> I think you know you know, I've never handed in anything late. I felt really exposed for asking for help. And so I don't know whether this is right or wrong, but I sucked it up and I pulled a few all-nighters and I got it in on time and I got, you know, a decent mark and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of, I took the decline of help and I met their deadline that they gave me, but then I complained about it because I just thought, <laughs> I just thought... How did you complain? I was like, I complained to the council, the student body council, Sarah. That right. I, did not think, I thought that this was a, a very bad experience and something that I didn't think reflected favourably on the um, on, on the organisation. Did you get anything um, back? I, yeah, I did. I did. So I was actually really impressed with how they followed up. I had an email of apology. I had a one-to-one meeting with somebody that had been put on from the university staff as like um, <laughs> to, to engage with the students. Ooh. So I did. And do you know it? It didn't change anything. You know, that that moment had passed and I didn't miss a deadline again. But I did feel that it was quite nice that they came and talked to me. But yeah, I think it was just I really felt I was quite vulnerable anyway. And I was trying to do so much stuff. Yeah, it's not the time, is it? You know, not the time. And a baby that wasn't sleeping, I'm rubbish. Like the asking for help thing. It's not my go-to thing to ask for help. And when I did it and it got declined, I was a bit like, uh, what do I do now? But um, yeah, so that's kind of stuck with me. But it made me think... I guess what it's made me think is that you have a right to ask for help. And when I was Googling a few articles about asking for help, I really didn't like some of the titles. It said, like, how to ask for help without coming across weak. I was like, this is horrible. Asking for help Mm. isn't about whether you're weak or not. Asking for help is about, I think it's quite a strong thing to do. (laughs) Like, I don't think we should even use the word weak. So, yeah, it's almost made me more confident that you have a right to ask for help and providing you ask for it in inverted commas the right way which I think we'll get onto with our tips then that's something that we're all entitled to I think it's interesting I think it's the implications and how you frame asking for help in terms of what does that mean to you and what do you think that means to other people and what do you think those people are thinking about you I guess and I think this has really made me think about some feedback that I got probably about 10 years ago I don't know if it was necessarily a compliment or not. I think it was just like a factual statement where somebody who I really like and who's still a friend now said to me, um, oh, you've got a very accurate view of yourself, Sarah. (laughs) And I think, (laughs) which is just quite a factual statement, isn't it? But I think um, for me, quite early on in my career, I had got enough self-awareness to realise that I did need help with some things, that I wasn't brilliant at everything. And actually I was okay with the fact that I wasn't brilliant at everything quite early on and so realized that I needed other people within a team within a company within an industry to help me to develop and to grow and I don't think I ever had an expectation of myself that that wasn't okay I think the other thing that's actually really helped me is I think because I really enjoy helping other people I think I assume that everybody else does too (laughs) So a bit like your thing of, oh, it's quite flattering if you speak to a a CEO and say, can you give me some advice? I think I'm probably even more generalist than that and think it's a really nice thing to kind of help someone out when somebody has asked you for help. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want people to succeed? And probably because I am naturally optimistic and positive in nature, and I, I definitely do have that kind of slant to me, 
I'm quite glass half full. And so I think therefore, if asks for help go wrong or go awry, it probably, to your description, would impact me a lot because I would almost go in with like very positive intent. And actually, Mm. I've never had an ask for help go wrong in kind of the way you've described. What I think I find harder is asking for help in relation to actually growth and fixed mindset. So I think my biggest growth gap, I think that's quite a sticky phrase, is like, where is your growth gap when you're thinking about growth mindset? Because we all have them. And my biggest growth gap is definitely around making mistakes. I just don't like making mistakes. And I know lots of people don't, but I was the kid at school who would only put my hand up if I knew I'd got the answer right, like 100% knew I'd got the answer right. I actually don't like rule breaking generally, even at nursery last week. This is shows you how much I don't like rule breaking. I was going to pick up my son and I had to change his nappy when I arrived. I was like, oh God, bad timing. And they sent me in this room to do it. So I went off to do it, came back in. And then some lady said to me as I was coming back, she was like, oh, actually, when we changed this room's nappy, it's like this other room. And I'd just been told to go into the room. So I'd done what I was told. And even then, I really didn't like it. I really didn't like the idea that I'd like not followed the rules that I didn't know existed. And that also I'd been told different rules. Quite bitter about it, as you can probably tell. Um, <laughs> also, end of a long day. And I was like, I'm actually Seriously. I'm being told <laughs> off for like changing my own son's nappy in a nursery. And I was like, okay, fine. I but am I not do, the child here. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I even ask for help when those things happen. That's when I would get into squirreling away mode. If I felt like I'd made a mistake, rather than kind of owning it but also seeing how other people could help me fix that mistake and I reckon you can fix mistakes quicker by talking about them to other people and going oh this thing hasn't gone right or it's not gone to plan I think I would go really into like I have got to find a way to fix this and it wouldn't be a good thing to kind of talk to people and ask people to kind of help me do that I've almost got to take all of the accountability for this and very rarely actually in a um, work context yeah sometimes you might have done one specific thing but most time you're working in a team you're working in projects and so you definitely should talk to other people, but I don't think I do. And I think the other aspect that gets in my way is probably personally more than professionally, but I guess a bit of a mix is because I'm naturally introverted. I think when things are not going so well, I get more introverted. And I do think if you're introverted and you get quieter and more closed, you are even less likely to ask for help. Mm. So I can think of a couple of examples in my personal life where I definitely should have asked for help sooner or asked some different people for help and just haven't because it's been hard. And my reaction to something sometimes being hard is to almost internalise it too much. And I think that's probably linked to confidence, you know, because your kind of confidence is a bit knocked and then you sort of don't take kind of positive action. Whereas I think when I'm feeling confident, feeling good, I think asking for help is actually quite a default for me. I'm really like happy doing it. But like all of us, there are times where it'll be easier and it'll be harder and I think that's definitely something I'd really encourage anyone listening to do is rather than making like a sweeping statement and thinking oh I just always find asking for help really hard I bet for everybody there'll be a bit of a spectrum of you know when do you feel most comfortable and when do you find it most difficult and why and just ask yourself for that that a little bit because I think then that will help you to work out which of the actions we're going to talk through now will be most useful for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So we've got a couple of top tips for you that we wanted to go through, which will hopefully help you in asking for help. And I've actually got a sneaky tip that I've not told Sarah about because I think she's going to cringe <gasps> when I talk about it. Oh, <laughs> I've made up an app. Is that after well, I've made up an... episodes? Is that, is, that, is that okay? Of course it is. I'm the rebel, right? I like breaking the rules. It's... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so top tip number one that is Sarah approved is that just remember when you are asking people for help, that they are probably getting something from giving you that help in return. Like a lot of the time we might feel, and I sometimes feel like this, that it's a bit cheeky to ask someone's help and I'm thinking, oh, they've not got the time or maybe I don't know them well enough or I've not stayed in touch with them enough. And so it feels, you often just think about what you're taking from that person rather than what they get from giving you that thing. Recently, going back to the live podcast recordings for the one that we did for our 100th episode we knew that there were going to be lots of people there and our guests were going to arrive and Sarah and I also needed to stay calm because it's quite a (laughs) nerve-wracking thing to do and so we asked a couple of people that we know for help and we said you know would you mind coming and helping and it's not their day job to kind of usher everyone into a theatre and get people seated and all that kind of stuff Um, you wouldn't know it because they were so good at it you would oh they were amazing and so we had three people we had Vicky and Alice and Matt who helped us and they wore their squiggly careers t-shirts and they brought everyone in and they helped us. And at one point they even got me a glass of wine. I was like, wow, this is the best help you're ever going to get. But the point was that not only did we ask for that help because we definitely needed it, actually they enjoyed being part of that evening and being part of kind of our little pop-up team that we had for the night it gave them something back in return and I think originally we hadn't necessarily thought that but it was what they played back to us afterwards so just remember when you are asking for help don't think of that this is a really selfish thing that you're doing there's often quite a lot that the person or people giving you that help get back from it. So the next tip is really in relation to asking for help as part of your day job, which is something I think we probably all need to do better and more often. And a good place to start is to, before you start asking for help, is think about what common goals 
do you share with that other person or that team that you might be asking for help? Because sometimes you're not even asking just one person, you're sort of working with a different function and you need to ask that whole function for help or a couple of people uh, at the same time for help. And I think it can feel more like you've got a common sense of objective if you sort of remember why you're all doing something. So what are you ultimately all trying to achieve or what's your kind of shared common goal that you're all together trying to work for though I did see somebody suggested oh what's the one thing you're all trying to work against like have you collectively got all something <laughs> that you a you, uniting like, goal you're trying to I don't know kill a competitor or like it was, it was actually quite aggressive as like a positioning like what was your enemy that was it um <laughs> do you know what I have seen that before when I read it I was like well that's a bit aggressive and I thought mm, some organizations are you know they're all united in a sense of working against something or maybe like fighting something in a system or perhaps fighting the way that an industry has done things in the past you know and actually that's okay that can be actually incredibly positive if you think about some of the kind of newer businesses perhaps coming in areas like banking or those kind of things and so if you are getting a bit nervous or you're thinking why should these people help me don't think about it as like why should that person help you think about it why should they help the thing that you're trying to achieve I think make it less personal less subjective and more about collective team or organizational goals I think it just helps you to give you that sense of perspective and reframing that actually makes it feel like this is actually something I've got to do and it's really important to do rather than something that oh I you know like, like Helen said either I feel a bit cheeky or I feel like I have to apologize there's actually a lot of stuff written in some of the articles that we'll share around the language that people use when asking for help and perhaps we'll talk about that a little bit more in in one of the other tips but so many people apparently start asking for help with an apology saying sorry essentially or I'm really sorry or I really wish I didn't have to ask you or bother you for this and so you're being so subversive and apologetic before you even start that actually you're not even kind of putting yourself on that kind of objective setting. So I think that's a really useful one for everyone's like day-to-day job. So I, I thought it was. I agree. I, I haven't really thought about my language. I'm going to reread that article and see and just compare to what I actually say. Tip number three is about being clear and concise with your ask. So I think when you are starting with sorry, so you're being apologetic for what it is that you're actually looking for, and then also you're not being really clear, it's very difficult for someone to help you. You kind of want to make it as easy as possible for them to understand what it is that you need and also like why it is you're going to them. I think they are the two biggest things for you to think about Mm. in framing your ask so what is it that I'm looking for for this person and why specifically is it that I'm coming to them and use that in your ask what it prevents you coming across like a lazy ask and a lazy ask is the could I have a meeting with you or the could you be my mentor is sometimes the lazy ask but if you've got the why I'm coming to you thing and for what it is that you really need I think they are two very good points that can help you overcome the risk of the lazy ask and really help understand why you're going to them. Do you know what made me a lot better at this was once meeting Dame Silas Noble, who, as well as having a brilliant name, has also mentored me informally, I would say, for quite a few years now and early on in our relationship. I didn't know her really well at this point. I know her really well now. I was having a coffee with her and definitely being a bit too waffly, and a bit too apologetic. I actually did know what I wanted her help with, but I sort of felt like I had to maybe like build up to it a little bit. (laughs) Um, And she cut through all of that and very quickly just said to me, Sarah, how can I help? Tell me how I can help you. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> and at the time I was like, oh, is that, should we not chat for, chat a bit more first? But actually all she was saying was, you don't kind of need to do that. And people are busy and they've got lots on. And it wasn't, it's not to say that, you know, she's actually incredibly warm, somebody who would definitely want to build a relationship. But what she was saying is you don't need to kind of surround your ask for help with lots of extra stuff. And actually I mm. found now, say, when we are sharing the book with maybe different companies that we're working with and saying, would you like to buy some copies of our book? This is what we'll give you in return for that. I'm now really good at doing it in a straightforward and simple way. I think it's then it's easier for people to say no. So if they can't mm. do it, I feel like the conversation doesn't keep going unnecessarily because I've maybe hidden the thing that I'm actually really asking them to help me with. And actually... It's interesting, like a couple of people can't always make these things work and have said no, and it's not made me feel bad kind of in in any way. I feel like they've come back. I've been really clear about what I was hoping they could help me with. They're saying, oh, sorry, like we can't help right now. We can't help at the moment or just it just doesn't fit with what we're trying to do. But at no point actually has that felt like a rejection or something where I think, mm-hmm. oh, I, I've done it in the wrong way. It just felt like I'd asked very clear question and they've given me a very clear answer and of course there's been you know at least some yeses along the way too which is good (laughs) and then tip number four is to not wait too long to ask for help and this is back to the point I think we made really towards the start of the podcast where I think often the longer you wait to ask for help the harder it becomes and then you Mm. really need it and then you're really struggling and you're stuck and then I think it also puts other people under a lot of pressure. So I've definitely seen this before where people have waited too long, perhaps in teams that I was leading or just in different roles that I've been in. And then someone comes to you and asks for your help and you think, wow, this has gone either quite wrong or we definitely should have chatted about this before now. And for all of the reasons we've talked about, it's taken too long for people to ask for help. And then it creates then a much more kind of challenging environment for it to be a positive ask for help and I think you're also much more likely to feel like oh this is a failure on my part and it probably isn't probably the the only mistake you've made is keeping going for too long and it's always a hard judgment call because of course there'll be times where you probably can fix things for yourself but I think I can definitely think of a couple of examples in my career specifically around that mistake point where actually I think I'd got the judgment to see and to spot that perhaps something wasn't going that well or wasn't going to plan and would have definitely been overthinking it, reflecting on it, would have really thought about it, but just wouldn't have been quite sure how to talk about that to other people. Then by the time you do, it becomes a really big deal and a very significant conversation. Whereas certainly with a few of those things in hindsight, I wish I'd sort of had smaller conversations where you don't have to have all of the answers and I think this is sometimes a bit of a thing you know where like managers say this like really cliche phrase of like don't come to me with problems come to me with solutions <laughs> so cheesy <laughs> and I understand that that is a good thing to go and talk to your manager and say okay we have got a challenge but I've thought about some options and like that's great that's definitely not a bad thing but I also think it is okay to ask for help maybe have thought about what an answer might look like or could look like but also to sometimes be honest and and go maybe you're doing this for the first time maybe you're new to the organization perhaps you're just looking for their insight because they've got more experience than you 
you don't have to go and ask for help and try and be the solution, I think, at the same time. So I think just be careful of doing that because I think you just put yourself and other people under too much pressure. For this podcast as well, Sarah and I, obviously, we always think about our particular examples of when we've asked for help or whatever the topic is we're covering. For this one in particular, I think it would be really useful for you listening if you thought about the last three times you asked for help and just dig into it a little bit think about who you went to for the help what it was you were asking for why you needed it and just what that experience was like for you I think what you might see particularly this one is you might see where there are some patterns because I think if you Mm. are the sort of person who's leaving this too late where someone's almost saving a situation rather than maybe helping you solve a problem I think that's the distinction when you when you leave it too late they're being pulled in to save it and I think you might see that in some of the patterns of when you're asking for help or the help you're asking for and that might be a particularly trigger for you that you might need to think a little bit earlier about when you're engaging people for the support you need so tip number five and the final one before my sneaky bonus tip is gratitude which is about thanking people when they have given you the help in the rush and awkwardness about overcoming all of our social issues about asking for help and then getting it in return we might actually forget to say thank you to somebody and to particularly let them know how they've helped us I was reading something about this actually about the importance of not just saying thank you in the moment but about going back to somebody a week or two weeks later whatever the appropriate time is and talking to them about how you've put their help into action (gasps) Do you know what? I've done this recently. I'm actually proud of myself. Oh, really? Who with? Oh, oh, tell us, tell us. Um, So I, about two months ago, was kind of appointed into my first, like, voluntary public sector board role. And prior to that, one of the kind of industry networks that I'm part of do a lot of free sessions on thinking about being on a board, preparing for being on a board, thinking about is that something you actually want to do and how it works. And I found those incredibly useful and so once that was confirmed that that's something I was going to do I'm 100% sure that I wouldn't have been successful in applying for that and kind of being successful if I hadn't been through that program so I emailed the lady who's kind of the chair of that association and the individual who kind of runs all those sessions and that's all done you know people doing stuff in their own time I tried to be very specific so I didn't just go thanks it was great you know I talked about I went to these couple of sessions not loads but it was still like barely a paragraph I think it was and just the lady who runs it all came back. I don't think she probably even knows who I am necessarily, but she was absolutely thrilled in her email back Aww. and it was so nice. And I thought, I'm so glad I took the time to do that because I think it's so easy not to. You, I think I'd always be quite good at thinking that I, I definitely would want to do that. But, you know, yeah. just then remembering to, finding the time to and just doing it in a in a really meaningful way. And I just thought, oh, I'm so glad because... A, they totally deserve it. And actually, again, in lots of the research, the psychology research I was reading about this, that people who see or kind of experience the impact that they have had from helping people, everybody's performance goes up and their performance goes up as well. So it's sort of like a real win-win situation. Albeit, I guess we don't want to get into like just these circles of everyone just thanking everyone all the time. <laughs> but I mean, it'd be, be quite specific nice, but... with your thanks. Yeah, yeah. So I'll summarise the top five tips and then I'll come in with my sneaky sixth one. So tip number one was to remember that people enjoy helping people and it is not selfish to ask. Tip number two is to make sure you start with common goals, particularly if it feels a little bit awkward. Number three is to be clear and concise with your ask. 
Number four is about not waiting too long to ask for help. And number five is about showing gratitude for people. So my sneaky tip number six is an acronym because I like models, I like quotes and I like acronyms. And this one is, the acronym is HELP, everybody. So H-E-L-P. So in order to ask for help, you need to be H, honest. So you need to be honest about what it is that you want. You need to be E, easy. You've got to make it easy for someone to understand how they can help you. And also, you know, ease for me is if I'm asking someone for help, I'm going to go to their place of work or I'm going to do it at a time in which it works for them. So make it easy for them to help you. The L is for listen. So if you're asking someone for help, make sure you give them your full attention. You listen. Don't try to interject too much. Like just kind of suck up all that help. Make sure you're kind of giving them the respect of great, brilliant listening. And the P of help is for playing it back, which is just what we talked about with that gratitude. But I also think it is about paying it forward, Sarah. And so if someone oh, has if someone gosh. has given you their help, <laughs> I think it is very positive to also pay it forward. And you can do that by spotting when somebody else might need help. I think this is, we've talked very much in this episode about being helped by other people, but I think it is an amazing thing to do if you proactively spot that somebody might need some help and maybe they've not got the confidence or they've not, you know, they've just not thought that they could ask somebody for that help and you proactively you know, go in and say, would you like some help with this? Or this is a specific way I think I might be able to help you. Would you like it? I think if you can pay it forward and spot the help that someone might need, that can be positive too. So that's my little acronym, my help acronym, Very Sarah. good. You sound so proud of yourself. I like the... Um, I am. I prefer paying it forward. I don't like playing back. I think that's in my list of, you know, well, jargon buzzwords I just really don't like. <laughs> <laughs> paying it forward is a good one. So you can have that. I feel like you should do some Thank sort you. of trade, trademarking on these acronyms that you just come up with. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day one maybe day. I'll ask for some help from somebody in how I'm, that I might go about that <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much to everybody um, who does listen every week if you haven't had chance yet to rate, review, subscribe or perhaps if you've been meaning to recommend us to somebody else that can be your Christmas present to us I think <laughs> over the next three or four weeks <laughs> um, we would really love you to do that and we do really appreciate every review we're getting it does mean that more people are finding us and it is amazing all the different people we don't know about who listen and then share it with other people so please please do keep doing that we are really grateful I know every podcast says that now but that's because it really matters for every podcast and then next week talking about Christmas we're going to do a special episode a new thing that we're going to try we're calling it our Christmas party podcast which it will be more than just us having a party and you all having to listen to it I promise (laughs) we've got four brilliant guests who I'm not going to talk about too much today because you'll hear lots about them in the party podcast next week. But they've all achieved some really incredible, very inspirational things, had a brilliant year. I'm really interested to hear about their years. We're going to talk about their highs, their lows, what they've learned. And we're going to cover everything from setting up, running your own thing. We've got a real expert on confidence in the room. A couple of guys who've done some really brilliant physical achievements, um, (laughs) which you'll get to hear lots about. Absolutely terrifying, but amazing at the same time. 
we're going to all be in a room together, hence why it'll feel hopefully slightly festive, kind of party vibes, and just see how that works as just a slightly different format, really just to celebrate the year, the end of the year, and rather than just us talking to you, actually hear from some of the people around us who we know are doing some amazing things that we can all learn from and you perhaps wouldn't get to hear from otherwise. So thank you very, very much for listening and we'll be back with you then. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.